It's Friday, May 29th, 2020, and welcome to episode 236 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. And I'm Newton Key. We have Newton Key with us, a special guest here at this time for uh, our director of our Faculty Development and Innovation Center. So we'll talk uh, a little bit, bit more uh, with Newton and many the many, many things that have been keeping him busy the last couple of months. But I want to welcome everybody to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And Newton, let's just give our, our audience just a little bit of a preview of what, what we're going to talk about this time. We're being hybrid and we're being flexible. We're talking about <laughs> high flex, but we're talking about the gamut of teaching options from face-to-face to to completely asynchronous online and how those interact and how we think about those and some a few tips and tricks that you can do that push those forward a little bit okay something that's very very timely and certainly on the minds of almost every every school here school and university within the united states and the for the world for that matter Uh, So we'll be talking about some of those. So sit back, relax, and here we go. And with us today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Dr. Newton P. from our Faculty Development and Innovation Center. So welcome, Newton. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to have you back. You've been on two or three times, I guess, on Tech Talk for Teachers uh, before, but we kind of come up with a timely subject, and you and I frequently talk, and we thought, well, let's make a little podcast episode since this remote learning and online learning and the COVID-19 situation is certainly on everyone's mind, and I thought our audience would benefit from that. So the name of this episode that we've come up with is High Flex Hybrid Face-to-Face Online Learning, Oh My. And that's kind of the Lions, Tigers, and Bears reference there. Newton, you, uh, as Director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center, we just come off a lot of workshops. We've had a lot of interest from faculty. And another term that we hear out there during these times is the new normal. And can you just kind of say where the state of faculty are at and as we go into the summer session and then into fall? Well, I think some of the faculty are, are, are recuperating a little bit, but uh, this all certainly got our attention. I was teaching as well. Uh, it was March 11th when I was brought into a uh, meeting um, that uh, we had to be, expect to be teaching remotely when we got back from uh, spring break. And as I'm in that meeting, I'm thinking, I guess I'm not going to New York City and uh, Texas over spring break. And so we spent all of that spring break getting ready. And then the following week, spent some more time. We put a lot of stuff on teaching remotely on the web. Some of the stuff linked to things we already have, but some of it was, okay, here's how you triage this. Here's how you think about uh, moving quickly. What are some, some best practices? To be honest, it was sort of any practices that we could get through that. But we went right from that, and you were part of it. Uh, You you were in uh, two webinars, I believe, maybe three. In May, right after we submitted grades, we started doing some webinars on best practices as opposed to triage for uh, online teaching. And 
Our plans are to be back face to face, but our plans are, how would you describe it? Multimodal at this point. Be adaptable, be flexible. So people are certainly thinking, people being faculty, okay, I need different avenues for going forward. Right. So we've been combing the the research on a a lot of this different things. And first of all, the remote learning caught us all off guard, you know, certainly caught me off guard 100%. And uh, it's certainly unprecedented times. But uh, I'm very proud of the fact that the team, the whole EIU team came together, offered these resources, helped faculty through it, and we literally saved an entire semester of learning for our students. So that's something I think we can be proud of and, you know, hang our hat on that. Having said that, it's opened our eyes to, and being in the College of Education, I'm always talking about pedagogy, but you know this multimodal learning that we that we always talk about as educators, you know, having a visual, auditory, and kinesthetic component, active learning, all these acronyms and education ease that we that we throw out there, but we really have four basic choices, I guess, as as we go into summer and as as we go into fall. Uh, anticipating that we will be back uh, face-to-face in the fall with distance, social, you know, social distancing. The face-to-face learning, the online learning, so those are kind of the two, extreme, two extremes that faculty are very well versed and comfortable with face-to-face learning. Most faculty, uh, that's typically their preferred method if they can do it. However, we do have a number of faculty that do prefer online learning. And then I, I think kind of the, the happy medium of both of those is hybrid learning or what we call blended learning sometimes where you pick and choose. And I think, you know, I, I've always taught in that blended mode where we provide those resources available. Students have smartphones in their pockets. It, I think, just makes a lot of sense pedagogically to have that information and course material uh, at your fingertips as a student providing class notes. We have all that capability to do right now. And then the last one, uh, which has been around for, I think, over a decade now, but you, you may be seeing a lot, especially in higher education, you'll be seeing the term HyFlex, H-Y-F-L-E-X. And HyFlex learning is kind of, well, it reminds me 20-some years ago when we started the Illinois Virtual High School, we, we kind of had a saying, you know, learning anytime, anywhere, any path, and any pace those were kind of the, the dream, you know, if we could make this online environment in the dream world, that's what we would have. We would have independent paths for learners to go out there and differentiate. And that's kind of what this high flex model is all about. Some students may choose to come into a face-to-face session. Some cho- students may prefer to have that content online and it's adaptable and students can mix it up at any time. This week I may come face-to-face, next week I decide to stay home. That also throws out the challenges of the synchronous versus asynchronous that we're always talking about with uh, with online learning. And I've always tried to heavily influence people on going the asynchronous route for online learning because that's one of the strengths. Again, uh, for our students, we need to provide this in a format that is uh, as easy for them to consume as possible. And there's just way too many benefits for that and if you're if you're time and place bound, you know the traditional model face to face that's worked well for us for hundreds of hundreds of years, but we are certainly been thrown. Uh, I call it triage. This remote learning, we're, we were basically in triage mode, like an emergency room taking care of patients. It's just like you know we've just got to stop the bleeding here, and then as we go into the fall, 
Um, I think it's Paul Kirshner threw out a, a picture uh, on one of the social media channels comparing remote learning to the emergency room triage and then online distance education is more of like a surgical suite with everything prepared and, re and ready to go. So those are kind of the two extreme environments that I think we're going to have to deal with in fall. Yeah, and if we can take it from uh, the students, I think I can share this with uh, with the, everybody out there because uh, the, the person wrote to me directly. We had an anonymous survey that we're just finishing up with faculty and students. How did it go? What were the problems that you faced, whether those were technological or social or uh, uh, space or whatever? Partially to just give the uh, university an idea of what, what they're going to need to be directing money towards uh, in this coming uh, months. And so we have students that like the face-to-face, the, the -face, but I had this person wrote to me responding to the survey because I started to fill it out and I realized it wasn't for me because I've been a remote learner for nine years, mm. right? So I didn't have any problems. I wrote back to him and said, yeah, the problem was we lost a week even for those that were online and online classes are usually filled out, right. you know, planned pretty clearly. Uh, and so uh, what you were saying was kind of interesting, and, and, and I've been doing a crash course in it recently on this hybrid flexible or high-flex high um, learning, which allows for that person that's going to be totally asynchronous um, at their own pace, the person that wants to be synchronous but is still going to be online and distance, and the person that wants to come in face-to-face. -face. And you can plan all those things out, and the goal was sort of like universal design for learning that each person does what is best for them. Mm -hmm. And that they might switch it up a little bit. The wrinkle here is that the environment might force the flexibility on us, right? right? That we, we're preparing for high flex because we don't quite know uh, if, if something new is going to come up in, in, the, in the coming months. But I think it is something that we need to develop a little bit more in terms of workshops on that to get people thinking about that because it really does, at least in its gold standard level of high flex, does respond to universal design for learning that these things that I've helped certain people with actually help all people because I might be a face-to-face -face student, but you know what? I don't... I've been sick for two weeks, and now I can go and right. change to that that, yeah. that asynchronous mode, and it's still there, and it's yeah, it's just as good. Yeah, and, and for the benefits of the students, I myself, I never would have achieved my PhD degree without the online opportunities that I had. So that's certainly a thing at EIU. It's in our mission that we are affordable and accessible for all. You know. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, the high flex model is certainly challenging from a teacher's perspective, a faculty perspective, because you're, as you said, you're trying to design for all those scenarios, and there's always going to be a scenario that comes up that's like, well, I didn't even think about that one. It's also very challenging on the communication collaboration side of things because uh, you're, you're adapting to these, you know, these multiple, you know, online world face to face. And then how do you, how do you develop if you want to have collaboration within, within the course? How do you structure that in an online environment where you have that one person that may have lost two weeks for an illness or whatever, right. whatever it might be? 
and that's where I think faculty kind of fall back in their comfort zone with the face-to-face -face because you can see it. This is the room. This is what we're used to. Things are within my control. When I close the door, it's, you know, it's me and the students. And not that we need to necessarily replicate what we're doing in the face-to-face -face classrooms because I think that would be a mistake, but faculty are looking for, you know, the metaphors in the face-to-face. -face. How do I do that? Well, in, you know, in an online class, you have a username and password. You have a course, so you're kind of walling that off. How do you do that within a, you know, video conferencing? We're using Microsoft Teams and desire to learn and collaborate. And that's the other challenge for faculty, especially those faculty that have um, maybe come a little bit later to this online world, that uh, just that alone, just learning the technology, and I've seen a lot of articles out there about tech fatigue, throwing all these tools at teachers and students and uh, it just becomes overwhelming not to mention the dire circumstances circumstances that we're under right now so yes it certainly is a is a challenging time well they I, and this was again just reading some of that high flex um, literature really in the last few days this is kind of new to me even though it's been around for 10 years there's a good book on it and so on is that uh, talking about how do you do that active learning with those people that are totally asynchronous and it was actually talking about sort of think pair share where you you say okay I want if you're listening to this here's what I want you to think of turn the your 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 video off mm -hmm. and then I'll come back and I'll share right. with what other people did that so you can still get that uh, what that interaction that you were talking about that that active learning uh, in there as well and that really is a paradox for the online learning environment because you have that ability that anybody can do it during in different times in different places but yet you're using probably the opposite of what you would consider an I, a high flex environment in that you're using direct ex, direct instruction, explicit instruction. You have and you, you need to do this in a, in a, in a physical face-to-face -face classroom as well, but it's even more important in an, in an online environment to be very explicit in your directions because they can be misinterpreted in so many ways. And we've all had the experiences where we'll go out and write a paragraph of instructions and then suddenly get 20 questions from students because they didn't understand that set of instructions that you thought were just plain as day. Can I, can I sort of add to that that I was, I was reading uh, in the Times Literary Supplement, uh, and I assume it was a British uh, academic, about this experience of teaching online, and they were doing synchronous, I don't know whether it was Teams or Zoom or Collaborate, or you know, there's a lot of products out there, and uh, started using the chat function where people could type in their answers. But since he was, uh, I think, a literary uh, critic, uh, English professor type, um, he usually gives these sort of broad questions and lets the conversation flow. Well, you can't quite do that as well you know when people are have that mediated through that technology and so he says I end up giving much more specific questions right because then they can type it quickly the answers in chat and you can you almost use that as a poll to say okay we're all on the same page and actually get more feedback from the students than you were in, in a face-to-face -face because Jimmy or Sarah dominated right the conversation and you didn't yeah. get everybody yeah in there yeah, that's, that's something that's very important. And again, we have to find kind of these substitutes from a face-to-face -to, -face to an online environment. And I think polling is terribly underutilized. 
But that polling can also be used. And like I said, that's kind of the way I teach. I teach in that hybrid environment where I will have a OneNote page up. I can write my notes out there. Those notes are shared with the students, so they get them on their phone or their device, whatever, immediately. So they have instant access to it. But just ask students. Throw up, uh, you know, we have uh, Office 365, throw up Microsoft Forms. And the way that you word those questions is critical. You know, there's again, there's all kinds of different pedagogies out there and uh, philosophies on how to do that, whether you want to leave it open ended or if you're just kind of looking for more of an opinion thing. But I have been often surprised when I ask a question uh, or it could be something very technical and very um, black and white, like a math problem. What's the right answer and throw up a multiple choice questions, give the class, you know, four choices and find out that, you know, 25 percent of the class got it right. And it's like, well, I just taught that unit great. Why are 75% of my students not getting it? But that's feedback that we could get in a face-to-face -face classroom mediated through technology. Uh, but it's very easy to do online. It also, especially for math, a lot of people have math anxiety. Uh, there's something about speed and being able to calculate. And some people just are not that way. They don't think that way. But if you can give people a little bit of extra time in that online environment, and then again, this is going back decades uh, with discussion boards and things. Those students, as you just mentioned, Jimmy and Sarah, whoever, dominating the discussion, that whenever you're writing and you have time to think, or if you're an English uh, second language learner, uh, that you know you take a little bit more time to process, that you can really go into a little bit more deeper thought. And again, if it is constructed correctly, Rather than a lot of times I think our students get into this, oh, I have to make two posts by next Thursday and get the points. And that's not what you should be doing as a teacher. You know, how do you get to that deeper level? Can I sort of add this in terms of uh, whether if you're, if, when you're doing this online or if you're doing synchronous online and you're a teacher, that to think of this in terms of finding a team that is working with you. I want to give an example of you, Tom, when you gave a, a webinar recently and you had sort of flipped the model a little bit for that webinar because you had given us some um, of your YouTube videos to look at beforehand and so it was going to be more of a question and answer, just a dialogue, a discussion. Some of the people were going to have questions for which you wanted to show uh, your screen, share your screen, and you asked me if I would uh, just sort of help out because if you're sharing your screen, you can't easily see if they've typed something in the chat. And I don't know how you felt, but I thought that worked really well that I could feed the questions when you were finished with something, not in the middle of something right, else. Right. And it moved quickly. And certainly that's what I've been reading in some of the literature is that it really helps to have somebody helping you. They did point out that bringing your students in to help you would, you know, you can sort of appoint people mm -hmm. to be that person that mm -hmm. is following. And, and, build it into the the grading right. uh, that they get that but what that means is we should probably bring you bringing the students in earlier like before the semester starts we're going to have this is going to be a component of the course i want you know part of your collaboration stuff is going to be helping whoever's running the synchronous that day to to do that so i i found that it's it's sometimes overwhelming, but it's also really exciting that this could invigorate yeah. the teaching too. That that session we had a lot of really good, deep, thoughtful, 
problems, questions, how do you do this type of thing? And yes, having somebody, you know, having yourself moderate that, that was so helpful for me as a presenter, because as you said, you can kind of feed that at the appropriate time and kind of taking the model because we've been doing all kinds of you know, on-campus, off-campus interviews through through the screen. Having that chat feature and the ability in, in a Microsoft Live event to post to oh, a moder yes. moderated uh, moderator, and that's important. And I think involving the students, again, we're very limited resources with what we have, so we, we have to find these creative ways. But I was a science teacher, so um, I, I, I had a, a deal whenever I was teaching chemistry lab or something, I had a student assigned, okay, today's your day to take care of the equipment for the lab. You have to get all the test tubes ready, the Bunsen burners and everything, and then I just rotated, and by the end of the semester, everybody kind of took their turn. Elementary teachers have done this for a year, for years, you know, they assign the students out there to take care of certain, you know, small little tasks out there, and it's so helpful for that teacher. It teaches the students responsibility and then lastly, um, regarding the students to students and what we call peer instruction, that's placing the learn, you know, placing the learning where it belongs with the student. As, as a faculty member, we know our subjects inside and out. And the reason that we do is we put in the time and you know, thousands of hours to master the content. Our students have to do the same. So when do they have those opportunities? In the research literature, they call it desirable difficulties. You know, not have everything uh, available uh, and just kind of piece, you know, following a recipe to get something and go back to that chemistry example. But do you truly understand what's going on uh, w with the with the instruction, with the instructional goals and back to instructional design there? But uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was very effective. You know me, I'm kind of the black sheep, so I'm always kind of thinking outside the box. So I don't know how many faculty had actually experienced like a flip class type environment. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it. Uh, it was about, I think, a dozen, I asked them to watch a dozen videos um, on how to create instructional videos, and I was going through the pedagogy, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think, you know, the large, large majority did go through that series, and the questions proved that whenever we got to that question and answer session. That's exactly what I wanted, because that session, I think, was only 45, 50 minutes long. We actually went over a little bit, but they were prepared. They were prepared with those questions, and I got comments. It's like, you know, thank you. I never really thought about the pedagogy behind doing this because a lot of times when people come to me, it's like, oh, what button do I push? And it's like we're way beyond what button we're pushing. Right. We need to get back to the, to the root of the pedagogy. And let me just throw in something here in terms of the, my experience of those webinars, especially your webinar, and my experience recently at the virtual FSI, the, the old faculty summer institute still going strong at uh, – uh, held up in Champaign. I've been part of the organizing committee for that for years. And the, this year it was, we're not going to have it. It was a two-day thing. We're not going to have it. And then they finally decided, well, we're going to have a three-hour Zoom. Not what I'd recommend for a class. That's a little bit. But right. we had three sessions and with a breakout session with each one. And whatever people were presenting was good. But it was the breakout session that was really made the conference where people got a chance to talk. And each of the, even each session had a polling, like you said. Polling's very important. So I feel like I've participated. Um, and we had a Google Doc that went, which you could have OneNote, obviously, uh, with each of the uh, breakout sessions. We typed some things there. But between that and my own experience teaching my graduate class, which was the only one I did a little bit of synchronous, a little bit of directed synchronous 
is useful, I, I think, okay. if, if you can do it. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. some professional graduate programs and all that, they're all at different times. You're not going to find a time that they can all be there. But there, I see some advantages for that. But as you say, keeping it with an asynchronous or whatever uh, other part to this, well, whether that's discussions but, or... But here's, here's the thing. There's, there's two things with the asynchronous versus uh, synchronous argument. It's very difficult, even even in a live, real-time, so-called live event, I, I don't consider that synchronous because there's usually anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute or two delay in the live feed, and that's just unbearable. It's like, you know, a lot of times we watch TV and you see these satellite feeds from across the world, and the reporters are kind of walking on each other. It's like, right, am I supposed right. to be talking now just because of that delay out there? So that's one issue. Secondly, another way to overcome that, again, think outside the box a little bit here, is those synchronous conversations don't have to be one to my 50 students or however many I have. They could be with this breakout session that you just mentioned that I have a group of 10 students over here that they can meet, meet synchronously at a time mutually beneficial for all of them. So there's ways to kind of offload, you know, offload that work. I just worry in that in this past semester of the remote learning situation where you know our students didn't sign up for this to go 100% online. Right. We had to be extremely adaptable and flexible and understanding. And I think we met their need, their needs. Uh, you know, certainly as best we could given the circumstances. But now going into fall, this is on everybody's mind. And, um, you know, we don't know if there's going to be a, a next wave or anything. Right now we're planning on being back, you know, social distancing face-to-face. -face. But I think uh, having learned our lesson this spring that we do need to be prepared for some alternate delivery means. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm totally agreeing with that. I'm just saying that I could see how that would be useful. But even so, it would be good to be pushing the record button or if there's anything there that, that so people – playing along at home in a different time can say, oh, I can still participate right. in this and, and, and submit something. So. Yeah. Okay. So we covered a pretty good breath, uh, breath there. So um, before we sign off here, anything else? Last thoughts on this? We have the high flex, highly adaptable, be prepared for anything. Students kind of have choice if they want to come in class face-to-face. Uh, we have the hybrid, which is uh, a mixture of face-to-face -face and online, and some people call that blended. And then, of course, the face-to-face -face and the online learning. Those are really the, the choices that we have going into fall. So, last thoughts. Well, I, I, I think that most of us, even that teach mainly face-to-face, -face, have been a little bit blended <laughs> yeah. for, 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 for years now. I, I think this is just being a little bit more personal Full in terms of, okay, I see why people ne might need to approach this at different times and different places. And so we're, we're I think that, that most of the faculty, we have the, our attention now. We're, 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 we're mm -hmm. focused a little bit on this. And, and now it's just a question of, is there enough time and space to yep. get that, that? But I think as as you've talked about in terms of video creation and so on, it's 
it's doable. You, you don't do it all at once. Right. You know, right. you just start doing a little bit and, and thinking about this and go, oh, okay, now I need to think about this part. Right. And but if you, if you stop and think about it, it's pretty amazing that we even had the opportunity to continue the semester like we did. And that would have been impossible without the technologies. And those technologies just didn't appear on campus. That's, that's years of investment. That's years of planning and implementation. Uh, we never thought that it would evolve uh, in, in this way, certainly. But uh, it's it's good to know that we we can do it and we can adapt and as I said we're we're here for the students and provide the the best education possible. So with that, we'll go on to our next segment. My technology pick of the week happens to be a new item that is part of our Office 365 subscription here at EIU and something that was very timely. Newton had mentioned we had uh, we've done uh, a few webinars on uh, making instructional videos so that's certainly something on everyone's mind. I've used PowerPoint. It has the built-in screen recorder feature and also to record the entire screen as well as slide by slide so that's always available. However Microsoft in the last couple of weeks have made it even easier with anybody with an internet connection an Office 365 account uh, with Microsoft Stream can create a screencast video, anything that's on your screen, using only the Chrome browser. Now you do have to use the Chrome web browser to do this. It's, uh, it's not compatible with Safari or Firefox. But if you're using the Chrome browser, you sign into your Office 365 account, go to uh, Microsoft Stream, select Create, and Record Screen. And that is an option. You just simply push the red button. You can choose to record only your screen, or you can do a picture-in-picture -picture little webcam uh, of yourself in the lower right-hand corner. Very easy to do. The only limitation is it's up to 15 minutes, which kind of meets my best practices. They probably need to be under 10 minutes to begin with. Uh, but that's available to every single faculty, staff, and student here at EIU or any, anyone else that's using Office 365 and Microsoft Stream. So that's kind of on, on the hardware side of things. Regarding our subject uh, this month uh, about the different modes that we may have to be delivering in between high flex, hybrid, face-to-face, -face, and online, I've always been a fan of the Educost series out there called Seven Things. And uh, I just happened to look up seven things you should know about the high flex course model. And I'll provide a link in the show notes to this PDF. You can download the PDF. It's a very concise, just a couple of page concise uh, reading of what HyFlex courses are about. And this was dated November 9th, 2010. So it's been around for oh, over a decade now, I guess. So it's not something new. I mean, this, this, these, uh, these design decisions that we're making for our courses, whether face-to-face, -face, online, or blended, some type of, some type of combination, uh, educators have long struggled uh, with this as we find you know the best way that we can provide our, our, our content to the students you know I'll, I always say don't get hung up on the content it's it's about the delivery and how you can design those learning experiences uh, for the students so those are my uh, couple of tech picks this week Newton what do you have okay so I don't have a tech pick this week I think all the things that you've shown me we have in Microsoft Teams and all have kept me pretty busy, but <laughs> I do have uh, an article uh, by Kevin Kelly. He has a blog post uh, that he did a few weeks ago 
planning for fall 2020, a closer look at hybrid flexible course design. And I thought it was very um, useful information. I looked up and of course he's written the book on hybrid flexible course or high flex uh, course design. And that book is available online for free. So I'll provide a link for that okay, as well. Great. All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, as I said, I want to make sure that I, I thank all the Tech Talk for Teachers listeners over the years. Uh, I am planning on doing uh, one, one last podcast uh, in June, so uh, stay tuned for that. That wraps it up for Episode 236 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU Instructional Technology Center website at eiu.edu. Until next time, this is Tom Grissom. This is Newton Key. Keep, Keep on, on learning. learning.